from hero to zero just like that. What does Jesus say last Sunday to Simon? You are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And what did we just hear Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. So what happened? Right? What happened between these two moments? Well, Jesus predicts his own suffering and death. And so Peter says, no way this is going to happen to you. Right? God forbid it. And on a human level, it's completely understandable what Peter is saying, what he desires. He doesn't want to see his Lord, who he has just proclaimed to be the Christ and the Son of the living God. He doesn't want to see him suffer and die. He doesn't want that to happen. And Jesus tells him that he's thinking as humans do and not as God does. Because in God's mysterious plan, the Son of God takes flesh and dies and suffers so we can be forgiven of our sins and so that we can have eternal life. Peter is becoming an unwitting, unwitting accomplice in Satan's wanting to tempt Jesus from the cross. Now, we don't have the same problem Peter does because we're looking at this right from the rearview mirror. We know, yes, Jesus suffers and dies, but he rises, he's victorious over death. And we can look back with gratitude for what Jesus did for us. And we accept what he has done for us. But we still have a problem with what Jesus says today. And that's when he says to us, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow him. Many centuries ago, the monk Thomas Kempis wrote this. Jesus has always had many who love his heavenly kingdom, but few who bear his cross. He has many who desire consolation, but few who care for his trial. He finds many to share his table, but few to take part in his fasting. All desire to be happy with him. Few wish to suffer anything for him. Many follow him to the breaking of the bread, but few to drinking the chalice of his passion. Now this was written in the Middle Ages by a monk. Brothers and sisters, we 21st century Americans are more averse to suffering than I think any people who have ever lived. We are a consumerist, pleasure-seeking, self-indulgent society. We overeat, we overdrink, we use and abuse legal and illegal drugs of every kind. We rarely say no to our cravings. If I want the latest iPhone and I don't have the money, I just buy it on credit. Rarely do we say no to our erotic urges. Pornography is a fingertip away and so many people use it regularly. You know, a lot of our complaints, we even make fun of ourselves when we say we have first world problems, right? We complain about things, again, that human beings before us would never have had reason to. They'd be amazed at the comfort of our lives. Now the thing is, if we really think about it, we know that self-denial can be a good thing. We know that it is necessary for excellence. 
When I was young, I, I practiced martial arts for eight years, and I can still hear the voice of my instructor saying, when we were exhausted and couldn't do any more of our calisthenics or any more of our drills or any more of our sparring, I could hear his voice saying, no pain, no gain. Maybe you had coach, coaches that said that to you, right? One doesn't become a concert pianist or an A student without a measure of sacrifice. Experience also teaches us that natural love, right, that natural love requires sacrifice. Like when parents of a newborn get up at all hours to feed, to clean, and to comfort their little bundle of joy. Jesus teaches that self-denial and the acceptance of suffering are a necessary part of the Christian life. If we want to be like Jesus, if we want to share his victory, we must be one with him in his suffering. No pain, no gain. No discipline, no discipleship. No cross, no Christ. So what does it mean for us to take up our cross? I'm going to propose at least four uh, different senses of this. The first is when we do what is right and we get uh, consequences from that. Blowback from doing what is right. And this is the example of Jeremiah in our first reading. Right? God calls him to uh, be his prophet, his messenger, and to tell, um, to tell Judah that they have been sinful and that they are going to be punished. The Babylonians are going to come and defeat them. And that's why he speaks about his, how his message is one of violence, because this is what is going to happen. He's actually telling them how they are to accept this punishment from God. Well, guess what? They didn't want to hear that message, and so what do they do? They take it out on Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is really badly treated, this messenger of the Lord, so much so, you know, he says to God, you duped me and I let myself be duped, although God really told him it would be difficult from the beginning. All day long, Jeremiah says, I am an object of laughter. Everyone mocks me. Have you heard of Isabel von Spruce? Probably not. She's been recently arrested and jailed twice for praying silently in front of an abortion clinic in Birmingham, England. Not even carrying signs, not even saying anything, just being there in silent prayer. That witness, right, to the wrongness of abortion is something that, that the evil ones cannot even take to view. Now the word of God is characterized as hate speech and those who proclaim it are sanctioned. Or think of just a, a typical example that one of our school children might, might uh, experience. You know, you see a child in your school who's being teased every day and you decide to stand up for that student. And you may end up yourself becoming a target of the bullies. This is taking the cross for doing what is right. Second way that we take up the cross is uh, the suffering we experience by avoiding evil. Most temptations are proposing to us shortcuts to happiness, but that they go against the plan of God. That lie that gets you out of trouble but compromises your integrity. The insult that makes you feel superior for a moment but attacks the dignity of another. The indulgence of that sexual pleasure apart from the goods of marital union and children that are intended by God. When we resist these temptations, 
We bear a short-term cost. There's a dying to self. But these result in a long-term gain of a virtuous and well-ordered life. The third way that we take up the cross is when we accept unavoidable suffering that comes our way. This could be something as serious as cancer and as trivial as being stuck in traffic. Right? This is the suffering that befalls everyone. But the Christian response should be different. And the attitude and response to suffering does make all the difference. It can embitter us. It can make us feel sorry for ourselves. Or it can purify and transform us. With faith, we recognize the God who sustains us in the midst of our trials. And finally, we take up the cross by practicing voluntary penance. You know, like fasting. Combining with prayer and almsgiving, the power of fasting is amazing. It's not just meant for Lent. And, and not just even fasting from food. So many people today would benefit greatly if they fasted from technology. This is not something we do just as a matter of showing how strong our willpower is, right? But this is about uniting ourselves with Christ in self-denial so that his power may be, may be more present within us. And this will prepare us also, brothers and sisters, again, for that unenvoyable suffering which will come our way when we become less and less attached even to legitimate pleasures and more and more attached to Christ. Jesus says, Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's an obvious paradox. What does he mean? I think what he's saying is this, that when we seek comfort, pleasure, wealth, popularity, we are seeking to preserve the false self, the ego. And the ego is turned in on itself and is therefore cut off from the very foundation of our existence. But when we lose our lives through sacrificial love, we find our true identities in Christ. To run from the cross is a lack of love. It is also very bad math. What does Jesus say? It profits us nothing if we gain the whole world at the expense of our souls. That's a terrible deal. The math doesn't add up. Too many put their eternal life at risk for much less than the whole world. A little pain now, so much gain for eternity. Jesus is our love, our life, our everything. Blessed are the crosses that unite us to him.